is a podcast about two sisters raised in an effed up family. My name is Christine. I am Jesse's older sister. I was raised by a gaslighting, manipulative mother who raised me to believe people either rejected you or weren't rejecting you. My father was a crazy, racist, vulgar alcoholic who was in and out of my life. And my name is Jesse. I'm Christine's little sister. I was raised solely by the crazy, racist father who raised me to believe I had to either earn or buy someone's love. Hello, everyone who is currently in a trauma bond with a partner because you are unconsciously trying to heal your father wound from childhood. Welcome back to the Family Burrito episode two, where two sisters examine why they react the way they do and how this leads back to the chaos of childhood. Hey, Jesse, how are things in Colorado? Uh, bipolar? Bipolar? Uh, yeah, the weather can't make up its mind. Does it need medicine? Well, yes. Mm. A lot of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. How has your week been? Oh, it's been good. My um, friends from my martial arts gym, High Altitudes Martial Arts in Aurora, mm. Colorado, um, they had to fight uh, this weekend. Oh, really? So, yeah. It was awesome. They had um, two knockouts. My friend Elias did a head kick knocked that dude out in 17 seconds wow yeah that's pretty darn cool (laughs) and you do Uh, martial arts right I do I practice martial arts and how did you get into that um well when I realized I like to punch stuff Mm -hmm. you know I was like oh this makes me happy I'm gonna Mm -hmm. do more of it (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I made it a priority in my life you know to be able to afford it awesome so you made yourself a priority. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. It takes a lot of work, a lot of healing. But honestly, I think exercising is one of the best ways we can um, we can heal ourselves. Exactly. Know? Yes. Because like this week, the beginning of the week, what I started off dealing with, okay, the beginning of the week's theme was loneliness. And then I ended it up and rounded it up with perfection. So, um, and I realized too, like, if I don't lift weights and just takes 30 minutes of lifting weights, it's not even that bad. Like it definitely, my self-esteem isn't the best. I'm more overthinking, you know, I'm just sort of lollygagging. I procrastinate. I'm not completing tasks. Um, so, but it's interesting because, you know, I love to be alone. Like that is, I'm a hermit, you know, that is where I get a lot of clarity. Um, you know, I sit, I say, I joke and say, I stare at the walls, <laughs> but, um, but really I ask myself questions. I do research, like try to, re- I've always tried to like figure out because it's the feeling is uncomfortable and, and then also too loneliness is like, I'm really not even lonely. I have so many friends. I have so many beautiful connections daily, you know? So anyways, it was driving me nuts because, um, it's just not a great feeling to feel lonely when you're really not, it's just almost like a fake emotion and you need to figure out where it comes from and why or whatever. So I was sitting like sitting and I was like, why do I feel lonely? You know? And, um, I think there's been times where I felt that way and I've tried to reach out to my mom and it always ended up in disaster, frustration, and anger and more hurt. 
So it finally clicked in my head. I was like, I have a daughter here that I can connect with, you know? And so I started reading things about how to connect with your child. And I found this one article where from AHA Parenting, and it goes through this list of things that you can do to connect with your child. And like the first thing it says, aim for 12 hugs or physical connections every day. Like one thing they says, some famous therapist said, we need four hugs a day for survival. We need eight hugs a day for maintenance. And we need 12 days, 12 hugs a day for growth. Mm. And I was like, whoa. That's mind blowing. Isn't that mind blowing? And I, first of all, I was like, I don't know if I'm doing that enough with my daughter. Um, and then definitely with myself, uh, growing up that did not happen. I don't even, I don't have any really recollections of my mother hugging me very much. And if she did, it just, it never felt authentic. It always felt very tense and stressed. And I mean, I remember a few months ago, um, I had some friends over and one of my friends had brought her mother and I hugged her mother goodbye. And I have never felt like a real mother's hug. Like I could feel all this love, like pouring out of her mom, you know? And it was astonishing to feel that because I didn't even realize it's not even something that I was conscious of growing up, getting hugs that were just full of tension and just, you know, didn't feel like love, you know? Um, and so then, um, other things, it was like, you know, play with your kid. Like we're always like on a schedule, let's do eat breakfast at a, instead of like saying, let's eat breakfast now, like make it fun, you know, call them like by a cute little animal name or something. Of course, turn off technology when you're interacting, um, make time for one-on-one. And, um, this is where really something profound hit me was, where was talking about, whenever your child is struggling with an emotion or trying to talk to you, just listen and don't react because if you react in a way that's maybe not, you know, the best way, like anger, whatever. And this causes uncertainty in the child. And I was floored because it made me realize that is where, my uncertainty, my main theme of uncertainty comes from is not only did my mother not listen, she would not validate me. And then on top of that, go around to family members and say, you know, that I'm a liar and these things never happened, even though I wasn't even going to the family members and saying anything. She was like already doing this whole battle. And that's why, like, I always was like questioning, trying to prove for the longest time that these things really happened. It's, it's interesting, but, um, but when you just listen, I mean, they will open up so much more, you know, and that's one thing too. I'm also working on, not just with my child, but just people in general, because I, you know, want to help people and I want to solve their problems, but people have to learn how to solve their own problems. You can, you can give them tips and whatever, but it's really important for people just to talk it out and just, and just, you know, listen, you know, and we, we want to, you know, solve our kids problems because we get nervous. Oh my God, you know, they're helpless, but they have to build that muscle and figure out how to problem solve themselves. We can't do that, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I totally understand. And I guess there's so many books 
that have been written about too much coddling and like mm-hmm. how much are you supposed to like I guess parent your kid in a way or or how much they're supposed to learn on their own you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um like there's some parents that are extreme like they just leave their kids out you know and wherever and they're like figure it out figure out how to get back to me yeah you know what I mean? yeah and those kids end up being super badass you know what I right mean? <laughs> right right but they're also you can see that they had kind of a trauma as well and mm-hmm. they carry it with them forever because then yeah. they're, they're like oh, i have to like always be this way i have to always be a badass mm-hmm. um and then you have people kind of like us where mm-hmm. we were coddled in some ways by other people that weren't our parents you right know what I mean? mm-hmm. so it was it's a really interesting concept but i i you know what? I didn't know we were supposed to get hugged that much. Now I feel like I should give everybody more hugs. Oh, I mean, I am such a, I am such a hugger, you know, I am always touching people and, and hugging them. And so, um, you know, I am such a hugger. I just, I, it's just a, a beautiful energy exchange of love. You know, it's like unspoken, unconditional love, you know, in a way. Um, so yeah, it was pretty profound to me for the hugs and then for the thing that clicked that was like, you know, just listen to your child. But the really other important piece to what I thought was profound was if I didn't know this, how the hell did our parents, how, how the hell are our parents supposed to know this? Oh yeah. I mean, right. I wouldn't, I don't expect that from anybody, honestly. Well, what clicked for me was like, cause we, you know, I would think growing up that my mother was specifically targeting me and doing things because she didn't like me and maybe she didn't and was jealous. I don't know, but I don't think it was like, she specifically had a strategic plan every day. Let me get some, a map out and how I'm going to just terrorize Christine. You know what I mean? So that clicked for me. Cause I was like, they, if I didn't know these things, I mean, I consider myself intelligent. I didn't know these things. How the hell would they, were they supposed to know? Right. So, um, and so, oh, and one thing like you can do is like write a letter to your child. I don't, I don't know if I've ever written a letter to my daughter. So I've been doing these things and I can tell, I mean, a difference, like immediately, like making eye contact, not being present in the moment, not hurry, hurry, do, do, you know, because your kid is not just something on a schedule. And I probably have been showing her that's you know kind of how she is is something on a schedule and so now I'm really being more mindful and we are connecting I mean she we sat in the bed and talked for like over 30 I mean she talked I listened and she told me some really cool things you know and so um it was very eye-opening and I'm really happy that I um like that clicked for me that, you know, I have a whole child I can connect with and my own healing stuff can come through reparenting myself while also, you know, teaching myself how to be a parent, you know? Um, so yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah. I'm glad that you have Sophia so you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's, um, she's just a beautiful. So it's, it's been really, really good. And I've been sharing that with my friends too, that have kids and, and another weird question that popped in my head was like, why do people have children? Like I was thinking that earlier, why do people have kids? And I'm sure there are just various reasons. Like my mom told me the reason she had me was because she was about to get a big trust fund check. 
like I don't that's just such a weird thing like I just wanted to have another baby you know it's like because I was getting another truck like I mean I guess financial stability but there was nothing planned beyond that like something set up for me I don't know it was just I just I want I would like to ask like the audience like what like why do you have children like what what people's reasoning I'm just curious like not in a judgmental way just I'm just curious because I don't know anything but you have a kid because you're about to get money yeah that's an interesting reason to have a child but your mom is interesting you know she's that's never like, been like normal yeah yeah that's a good word interesting <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, if somebody ever says this tastes interesting. Yeah. They what mean it tastes bad. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm not trying to call your mom a bad person because yeah. we all make mistakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's just an interesting person. Yeah. And not all of our palates can like stand it. Right. I love that you said that palate. That's really cool. Well, I do say the word interesting a lot. So, um, Cause I do find, I do do find everything so interesting, but I think I need to start finding a new word because that word is getting very old. I've used it forever. Um, so I worked through that. And then the end of the week, I realized that I have issues with procrastination, which by the way, procrastination can be a form of trauma from childhood because you want it to be perfect. Cause you don't want to fail. And I never realized that I had this issue until I was like reading this, this program is called human design. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, It's just basically this program that mixes science and spirituality and they have these different um, design types and, um, and profiles for people. But um, like in my design profile type, like perfectionism is a theme in my profile. And I'm like, what? way but I started looking at that and I said yeah like I'm always like thinking there's going to be the perfect friend it's almost this fantasy like the perfect friend the perfect thing you know the perfect writing the perfect charting and the perfect you know and I know there will be certain tasks I won't start because I know once I start it I'm going to just be so involved because it's it's got to be perfect Jesse and I'm like why what does it matter yeah, I know. I get that completely. Every, every time I try to do something perfect, I mess it up totally. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. I'm trying to impress somebody that I don't want oh, to impress. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've noticed every time I try to impress somebody, I just end up failing. That's interesting. Impress somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we do that because we have like, mm we're never told that we're proud of you know what I mean like yeah well it just kind of goes back to the hugs and being told certain things that you're like yes I can do that like for example when I worked at the car dealership we had a comptroller and Mm -hmm. he was such a sweet guy and uh, anyway I was fixing his keyboard one day I was taking the batteries out and he's like, you have such steady hands. You should be a surgeon. Ooh. And I was like, wow, nobody's ever told me I should wow. be a surgeon. And I was like, but this random person that like knows yeah. me maybe six months of my life mm-hmm. <laughs> thinks I should be a surgeon. Yeah, that is, that's, 
I love that. It makes me teary eyed because it, I'm thinking about a moment when after my brother had died of cancer and my aunt and I decided that we were going to go take my mom to um, grief therapy because she was, you know, struggling. We wanted to be supportive and I'll never forget. It was like, it's called this grief share. It was like group grief um, uh, therapy at this church every Sunday or something. And like the first day we went, like we go around and tell our story and everyone. So I told my story and this lady from across the room, I was stunned. Like I, I couldn't speak the rest of the time, but she said, you are such a good daughter. And I was like, like a deer in headlights. Like what? I've never been told I was a good daughter. Like my mom never said I was. So it was just like, wow, someone I don't even know from across the room can see you know, that I'm a good daughter. Oh, yeah. And it's so strange. And sometimes it takes a stranger or somebody that really doesn't know us mm-hmm. just to see, like, what is actually true. Right, right. Because we have, our like, all of our illusions. Uh, and also, kind of, to speak on the same thing, is a few months ago, like, I, I, a few months ago, I was sitting in my office and I started crying because... For the first time in my entire life, I really finally believed I was a good person. Like I could feel it in every part of my body, my cells, my being, my heart, my soul, that I was, I'm a good person. And it was just, I mean, I was just bawling and releasing and like, wow, like that is so, um, I mean, it's sad, (laughs) you know, that it's, that I finally believe it. I finally believe it. I'm a good person. Well, you've been told your whole life that you were mm-hmm. something else, you know? Right, right. And, you know, dad, dad tried. I, I don't want to, like, not say he didn't try because he always said I looked pretty. Oh, really? Stuff, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he he tried to compliment me when he actually thought that it was true. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. You mean, did he, he didn't tell you to pose for playboy. Like he told me. Um, no, (laughs) (laughs) he did not, but he always was like, why don't you like show off your cleavage? Oh God. That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was just trying to get me married off. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like remember when he, was going to have a Russian bride and he had those catalogs of those Russian women that wanted to marry. And he told you to pick out your stepmom when you were yeah, like, I'd be like your, pick out your new mommy. I mean, that is um, sick and twisted in a whole nother game. Like <laughs> I still, I like the childhood PTSD. that. Has yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and wait, but my question, my question is, did you pick out a mommy? Um, you know what? I think that I probably looked at the magazines cause I remember looking at them. And they're all, like, very almost nude women, right? Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, I don't think Dad realized that he was kind of semi-programming me to... Mm. I'm not gay and I'm not bisexual, but mm-hmm. I do appreciate a woman's body. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that started at that age. I was like, oh, she has a nice body. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's not even, like... I don't know. It's not even body dysmorphia or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. I definitely always wanted to look like those women. So it was like the yeah. So it was like the beginning of this comparison with your body to other people. Right. Yeah. And I don't think I look. I don't think I'm. I I don't know. I don't think I look 
a certain way or whatever like of course we all want to lose weight like I think Mm -hmm. that's part of the programming Mm -hmm. um but I also kind of realized at that point in time that's when my memory really started and I don't think dad realized that he thought I wouldn't remember Mm. hmm Wow. So you were, so did you like keep the magazine in your room or would you just like one time looked at it or? Yeah, I just looked at it one time and then I like put it back in his closet or wherever, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I did steal his porn one time with Lacey. Oh, his (laughs) like porn magazine or tape? Um, A tape. It was a video, it was a videotape. You know, we're old. (laughs) What was it? Uh, what was the, the porn? Yeah, it was a like sci-fi porn, and it was what? <laughs> yes, yeah, and it was basically like they're on a spaceship, and this lady with three tits. Oh my god, <laughs> that's really what I remember. The lady with three tits. <laughs> yeah, but it like went off, and then like I just found a bunch of other magazines, but like they were you know not in good condition. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't touch those. <laughs> it's kind of like when you sell a car. What's the condition of the car? You know, good, fair, bad, whatever. What does the interior look like? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's horrifying. Well, and you know, he like you know, you had told me before, but I really had to see it for myself. After he died, I had his computer, and I did see that there were pictures of chicks with dicks on there. So that's um, that's all I have for now, Jesse. To be continued, my love. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> <laughs>